Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lounge Talk. I am your host, Charlie Eden. On this episode, my friend Kaylee joins me to talk about her religious journey. She's got a lot of interesting things to say about faith, about her journey from more secularism to chassidut. She's got a lot of stuff to say about pluralism and a lot more. I hope you enjoy. Hello, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lounge Talk. I am sitting here with my guest. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zavadok. I'm from Chicago. Um, yeah. Thank you, Kaylee, for joining us. We, on this episode, we're going to be doing a more Q&A style Jewish journey. For those who don't know what a Jewish journey is, it's when someone will talk about exactly that, their journey with Judaism. Usually it happens in more of a, a speech setting, so one person will talk for a given amount of time, but on this podcast it's going to be more of a Q&A. So Kaylee will start us off just where, so you said you're from Chicago, so where is your family on the religious spectrum of Judaism? Fine. So my family, like, I grew up in, like, a conservative house. Like, I didn't go to Jewish day school my whole life, but, like, we lit Shabbos candles when we were younger, and then, like, obviously sports and stuff was Friday night, Saturday, so we kind of stopped. Um, and then we would celebrate Pesach, Seders, and, like, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, like, and I went to Hebrew school twice a week, um, bat mitzvah, you know, kosher right. style, right. all of the things. So <laughs> Hebrew school was to like learn Torah, not just the language Hebrew? Yeah, so we learned like the Aleph Bet and then had to just like basically memorize like prayers. Like I remember like needing to memorize like Vayahafsa and like say it in front of my class, like stuff like that. Right, right. So that was an after school thing that you did? Yeah. So at your, which what school did you go to? Um, like what? religious school? No, oh. before, before religious Oh, school. fine. I went to um, like the name of my elementary school. Yeah. Um, it was called Westcott. I don't know, you know. Was that the local public yeah. school? Yeah, 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 Were there a lot of Jews in that school? Um, the majority of my town is Jewish. So, yeah, like, we had bat mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs every weekend in middle school. And, like, I took Hebrew in a public high school. Like, there's that many Jews where I live. So, definitely not typical, like, public right, school right. experience. Okay, so after, so after elementary school, I guess you had to pick a high school. Did, where did you choose to go? I just went to the public school. You went to the public school. So was was there a thought in your head of possibly going to the local Jewish school or you knew you were going to go to public school? Absolutely not. I After my bat mitzvah, I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with this whole Judaism thing. Like, I checked the box on bat mitzvah. Like, I have nothing else to do, you know? And, like, when it came to picking languages in high school, all my friends took Hebrew because it's an easy A. And, like, we knew the Aleph Bet from Hebrew school. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to take Spanish. Like, I'll use that more in life. And now it's, like, funny because... Look at me now. Yeah, you know. yeah. Well, we will get to that. But look at me now. She just came back from a midrashet, which is a Jewish learning center for girls, and she's wearing a nice religious outfit. <laughs> if you will. So that's what she means by that. So yeah. when you were in middle school and you were having all of these bat and bar mitzvahs, mm-hmm. did you ever did did the greater sense of being Jewish ever cross your mind? Did it ever go beyond bar and bat mitzvahs, or was it? Was it for the most part like, oh, we had a bar of bar every weekend, you know, I'm a Jew, that it, that it is what it is? Um, definitely a little bit of both. Like, it was always a fight. Like, I was like, 
to my parents like no I want to go to the party and they're like you're not going to the party unless you're going to the service but uh, most of them were reform shows where like the parents were videotaping their kids reading from the Torah and like um I also like that sense of Jewish identity I grew up with Holocaust survivor grandparents so it was always instilled in me from like as young as I can remember that like I am a Jew um and that was like a non-negotiable and even though like um, I wasn't super religious, like, I brought, like, my Ziploc bag of matzah with pride on Pesach to school every day, and, like, all my friends would be, like, is, like, in Reform Judaism, you keep seven days, but conservative, you keep eight, so, like, all my friends would stop with their matzah, and they'd be, like, why do you have matzah still? Like, my mom said I was done, and I was, like, no, no, like, we still do it, right, right. Um, and that kind of stuff. Right, so when those interactions would happen, did you ever feel, as a conservative Jew surrounded by Reform Jews, did you ever feel like you were a little out of place on the eighth day of Pas- Passover, for example? A little bit. Like, my friends, especially when we got older, they, like, you know, you go to the mall with your friends, whatever, and everyone's like, okay, Kaylee, like, we have to go to Starbucks. And so, you know, my friends would, like, pressure me into getting, like, I remember one time I caved, you know, I'm like, fine, I'll get the Frappuccino, whatever. Like, it's this eighth day of Pesach, you're done, I can be done, you know, stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah. So... Looking back on that from your perspective now, we'll get to where you're at now later, but looking back on those situations where let's say you were forced, quote unquote, forced to do something that you mm-hmm. didn't necessarily want to do, are you ashamed that that happened or are you, or do you think of it kind of just as a natural being a kid, you fell for peer pressure type of thing? I think it's definitely like that natural part of being a kid, like now more so that I'm stronger in my beliefs. Um, you know, like, I'm a little worried going home, you know, none of my friends keep Shabbos. They want to go out Friday night. I'll be like, sorry, like you can come to my house or like I'll walk over to you and like definitely that. But I think that like since now I'm strong in my beliefs and have been able to form them for myself, like there isn't that sense of guilt because I was a kid, you know. So once you moved on to high school, was it still, was your high school still mostly Jewish? Yeah. Same as the, same as the elementary school and the middle school? Yeah. So then... When was I don't want to call it like a religious awakening because that feels <laughs> that feels like Jesusy Messiah. Yeah, yeah. But for lack of a better term, when did when did you have this awakening? When did you realize that your religious identity was changing? Okay, so I is like a longer background. So I've been a competitive figure skater my whole life, and um my friends all started getting involved with BBYO, which was a youth group. And I was like, okay, like, this sounds fun. Like, my parents were advisors when they met, actually. So I, like, always knew, like, what it was. I was like, okay, finally, I'm in high school. I can do it. Um, But I had skating practice the night that my chapter met. And then freshman year, I was like, okay, it was the end of freshman year. I was like, I really want to join BBYO. My friends were pushing me to go. Um... And then, like, spring break, I went on a skiing trip, and my skating coach, before I left, was like, don't go, try out till next week, you're going to get injured. And I'm like, no, I won't, I'm fine, I know how to ski. And then, I tore my ACL. Um, yeah, so suddenly, I couldn't skate anymore, and I had all this time, so my friends, and I was all sad, you know, like, all I did was skate. Um, my friends were like, come to me, why out? And I was like, okay. So then I was kind of introduced to, like, this new, like, Judaism is cool type of thing, um, and then it kind of just, like, snowballed right. from there, I guess. So what were the experiences that you had on the BBYO that opened your eyes to the, to quote you, Judaism is cool factor? Yeah, um, 
I remember like my first convention in BBYO, I was on crutches like four or five days after surgery. Um, and just the way that everybody was so nice and like it really felt like a, such a family. Um, and like Shabbat, you know, it wasn't a show my Shabbos environment, but nonetheless, like we were still like doing songs and like own eggs and like cute things Saturday um, and then Havdalah all together. And like, it's a big thing to have like a cheer circle. And I was like, wow, like I'm really part of something special here. Right. So when you were in those BBYO circles, were you on the more religious side of the spectrum? Um, to In the beginning, no, not until closer to like junior, senior year did I kind of like religiously outgrow BBYO in a sense. By religiously outgrow, you mean become more halakhically observant? Yeah. yeah. Halakhically observant being following more Jewish law for those who might not know what that means who are listening. So what pushed you to become more halakhically observant? I know that it can be a a long journey into the question of what pushed you to do it is a little bit shallow in terms of what can lead to someone wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. But for the, the sake of the question, you can, you know, answer in as much detail as you would like to. What pushed you or what made you realize that you wanted to start following these rules? So at first I didn't. I was like, no chance I'm becoming orthodox. Like these people are wacky. Um, Again, funny. (laughs) Um, um, And then basically I started getting involved with Chabad also. Um, And that kind of showed me like, you know, they're so welcoming and so friendly and so non-judgmental. Like, I would show up to their house in, like, shorts and a t-shirt. And they'd be like, all right, like, let's do one mitzvah right now. And, like, they'd walk you through all the brachas, like, when you're eating. And, like, just such a family that you really wanted to be a part of. Um, so that's kind of where it took off a little bit more. Did it start at first as a set of rules you decided you want to follow? Or did it start more as... A philosophy that you realized you buy into and therefore want to follow its rules that's the, that's the question <laughs> I definitely think it was a little bit of both like at times um I was like this rule like it does not make sense to me like I used to give my rabbi such pushback like I still do now but in different ways like we were talking about Chavez and I was like look rabbi if it's relaxing to me to sit in front of the TV on Chavez why can't I do that Um, and stuff like that. But now, um, after keeping Shabbos now, um, you know, regularly, I'm like, okay, I don't really need TV. It's kind of nice to read my book. It's nice to sleep. It's nice to not have to pick up my phone and worry who needs what from me and stuff like that. Um, and I think a big thing for me was like learning why I'm doing something and not blindly like taking on another mitzvah, which is something I did at one point and none of it stuck. Um, and when it did it was after I like took the time to learn and like find an emotional connection to it. Is that something that the Chabad house in your area or Chabad in general focuses on teaching you why you're doing something? For sure. Like even I remember having a conversation with my rabbi. I was like so upset. I was like, Plug your rabbi. What's his name? Um, Moshe Talden. Fantastic. Um, Chabad of Wilmette. Um, So basically, um, I remember having a conversation, it was either with this rabbi or another rabbi, um, and I was like, I really want to keep Shabbos, but I just like, I don't even know where to start, and my rabbi was like, okay, so what's the first thing you do on Shabbos? Light candles, so do that, do that for a few weeks, next week, do one more thing, 
And my friends were super supportive too. Like some of my religious friends were like, all right, put your phone away for an hour and you can do that. And then the next week, one more hour and one more hour. And it's like building up to it because like something like Shabbos seems so daunting, but, um, you know, it's really just finding that emotional connection. Like if you approach it in a way that like, look, I'm restricted. I can, I just have to watch paint dry on a wall for 25 hours. Like you're going to lose your mind. But if you look at it in a sense of like, okay, I'm unplugging from my phone and plugging into like myself and what I need, um, then it becomes a lot more meaningful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question about Shabbat. This is not necessarily about your Jewish experience, although I'm sure this, the answer will connect, is something that I always thought about throughout my, my challenges of keeping and not keeping Shabbat is whether, whether my desire to keep Shabbat or when I was, I guess, not doing it as well, whether that was like based in some sort of religious value that I wasn't sure if I agreed with, or if it was based in a more practical value that now I live in a world that's full of technology and phones that kind of suck us in. And I think it's just a nice real world value to unplug from that. So do you think that non, do you think that non-Jews who don't keep Shabbat could actually use a day like Shabbat? Um, yes, a hundred percent. Like after the first time I kept Shabbat fully, um, I was with my friends in Crown Heights. It was a lovely Shabbos. I go up to them. I'm like, wait, it's over. I don't want to go back on my phone. Like this was so nice. Like not needing to worry about anything. Like there's so much pressure of like FOMO of like, you don't even know what you're missing out on. So you're missing out. You're like worried about what could I be like, you're sending yourself into like a spiral and so I think that that ability like even like you know social media cleanses are trendy now like that's all like basically keeping like it's all from the Torah like keeping Shabbos and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. and there's like I forget where it comes from but it's like as much as the Jews keep Shabbos Shabbos keeps the Jews and like obviously they take that in a sense of like like union but I take it in a sense of like this really just keeps me sane and like right. gives me a break yeah. from the rest of the world. Right. And have you found that 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 line of logic in terms of Shabbos keeps the Jews, but Jews keep Shabbos, but Shabbat keeps the Jews applies to other rules that you've started to follow? Um, I definitely think so. I think that other things are definitely like factors of uniting people, like definitely wardrobe, which is something I struggle with, like sneas, like modest dress. Um, but also other things like kashru and really like even like wearing a kippah on the street like you know you're in America and like my dad wears a kippah and like we'll be walking down the street on Shabbos and somebody will like shout Shabbat Shalom and you know just like that sense of family. Something that I that resonates with me what you just said is I I often wear my kippah and what I'll always tell people is I don't necessarily wear it as a religious garment but I wear it because I think it's an important symbol of my people, and that I believe that I am part of a a greater people. Right. So a question that I always ask myself, and I'm curious to hear from someone who's more religious than I am and is more religiously connected than I am, is if if the Jewish people are a people but also a religion, is there a real place? Like, What is the balance of, of the place that people who don't follow the religion the religious rules have within the people and that can be a hard place to find especially if you are someone who is religiously different than the rest of your community um so i have two answers one i think that a jew is a jew at the end of the day like 
there's a lot of like that preemptive judginess like now that I'm more observant my non-observant friends worried that I'm judging them for not being observant but at the end of the day like you do you it's your life um so that's one thing like I really think that again a Jew is a Jew and it really does not matter how you practice what that looks like if you practice um my second answer would be I'm gonna like butcher this a little bit but in Sukkot when you shake the lulav and etrog there's four species and each one represents a different kind of Jew it's like the simple Jew the learned Jew and then like two others like whatever um and the mitzvah isn't complete without all four of those species and that kind of shows that like you need all types of Jews like we are a family um and even if you don't practice like it's just comforting being around other Jews. And like you said, community, like for me, it's the opposite. My community is not religious. Um, and so it's, you know, finding a place within my secular Jewish community while being an observant Jew. I think something, a place where you're, that you are unique compared to other religious people that I know is, is your statement about a Jew is a Jew and your desire to not be judgy. So I'm on a, kind of push you a little further. If you felt like you were being judgy, would you think that you were violating your people and your Judaism in a sense? Um, I would say yes. And also I obviously like it's human nature to judge, but I also feel like I'm not really in a place to judge because I used to not keep Shabbos. I used to not keep kosher. Like I used to not really believe or buy into any of it, if you will. Um, so when people tell me like they don't believe it, I'm like, okay, great. There's literally nothing wrong with that. Like, because I also like was in a position where I didn't, I don't have the justification to judge you. Right. So it sounds to me like you don't think necessarily that your religious growth ne- makes you a better person in the sense that you are better than other people now because you have this growth. Absolutely not. I mean, look, like there are morals and ethics that I'm more closely following, I guess now, but also like at the end of the day, like it's a mitzvah to love your neighbor. And so that, and like Ahavas Yisrael comes in my mind is a precedence over anything else. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. So it's all about secular, non-secular. So I guess that would be religious, religious, Mm -hmm. secular, whatever, conservative reform, non-denominational you would say that the love between between each individual Jew for each other is is above all of these sets of rules? Obviously, in an ideal world, um, but we don't really live in that ideal world. Like, I know each community judges another. Like, I've been in non-religious spaces where they judge religious people. I've been in religious spaces where they judge non-religious people. And, like, I can see it from both ways because I've been in both positions. Um... But I really think that, you know, we need to be more accepting of each other. Um, but I do, I mean, again, it's human nature to judge someone. Like, you know, I could be like, oh, you're wearing like a green shirt today. Like, why aren't you wearing this color? Like, little stuff like that. So it's like that. Or like, oh, you keep six hours. That's obnoxious. I keep three and I'm doing the mitzvah too. Like, in reference to kosher, um, <laughs> waiting after eating meat for dairy. Um, and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Something that you touched upon that I want to push further on is I, I have always believed that pluralism. So we're on a pro we're on a gap year program right now. It's a pluralistic program that pluralism has in a lot of ways become a space for non-religious people 
to judge and look down upon religious people in a certain sense. And I see a lot of that happen on the program that we're on right now when we talk about issues going on in Israel and the way that people talk about the Haredi aspect of these issues and their, their ideas. So I would say, maybe I'm totally wrong in saying this and maybe you don't want to be identified this so you can correct me if that is the case, that you are one of the more halakhically observant people on this program. So do you feel like my theory is correct in terms of other people's views of you on this program? A little bit. I think a lot of it comes down to preconceived notions. Like I was saying, like that preemptive judginess, like, oh, you're religious, so you're judging me for being a bad person and that kind of stuff. Um, But I do agree that pluralism has its limits, like especially in the context of our program, like the capacity for religion is only, let's say, the middle 50 percent. Maybe even like the middle 80. So the more extreme 10%, like the Haredi community is not going to feel comfortable here. But also the really secular community is not going to feel comfortable here. Um, And so I guess it's just that push and pull. Um, And for me, again, coming from a space that like I'm the only one in my house keeping Shabbos. So like people are like, oh my gosh, is it hard being around people that aren't Shomer Shabbos? I'm like, no, you know what? I'm so used to it Um, and stuff like that. Do you think being around the people back home who are not Shomer Shabbat makes you more fit for even more than just this program, even more fit for like the real world, I guess, where most people are not Jewish and keeping Shabbat? Um, I definitely think it's a nice advantage. Like I see value in insular communities. Like you don't have that outside, um, I guess pushback but at the same time if there's nobody pushing you in your values how are you going to know that they're really your values like if I grow up in a bubble not meeting people that believe anything different than me how am I going to know that this is what I really believe yeah that makes sense I agree with that there's a there's a sort of ignorance is bliss idea that's the same idea behind it which is like if what you don't know can't hurt you but in this sense we would you're kind of giving it a negative connotation where if you don't know anything else, are you, do you truly know what you know mm-hmm. in a certain sense? And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there's been times where I was like, wow, it'd be so much easier if I went to day school my entire life, if my family was from, like it would make it so much easier. But I feel like for me, it makes every mitzvah I do that much more special because like it's not first nature to make a bracha on food. Like it's not first nature to keep Shabbat and be mindful. Okay, I want to go out for coffee, but I just had a hamburger. How can I, you know, make sure I don't mess this up? Right. So does has it become a habit for you? Or are you still in the process of making it a habit? Or is everything still as meaningful as it was day one? Um, I definitely, like my friends and I talk about the concept of like a ball chuva bubble. Um, and it popping and like the honeymoon phase being over. Um, and so I think there's an aspect of that. Like once you've kind of settled into life, keeping new mitzvot, it's, it's a part of your life. Like it is for anyone else. And like, I am still working and growing, but there are some things now that come as a little more second nature to me. And there are things that I definitely want to work on still. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, do you think there will ever be, there will ever be a point where you're kind of done working on your religious growth? Or do you find that if you ever got that point, it means that you've lost what you're striving for? I do think it means I would lose what I'm striving for. 
And I don't see myself living in a Haredi community, but that's like, for me, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like there's so much in between. Um, And I do think that like, there is an aspect of like, we're always learning and always growing. Even like you see people like after retirement, like picking up new hobbies and like learning new things. And I think it's just a matter of like, like, learning and growing and refining yourself as a person and I do think that mitzvahs are a matter of like refining you as a person not just like what is restricting me like what can I add to my life that makes sense do you mind if I switch topics in a sense go for it I kind of have a a question that's popped into my head okay so there's a phrase gamzulatova means everything is for the good so first off, how prevalent is that? You do you identify with like Hasidut now? Yes. For the most part. So how prevalent is that <laughs> idea in Hasidut? Um And you'll see where I'm going with this. Fine. In, in a second. Well, I mean, look, my phone background is like think good and it will be good. Um, so I definitely think that um like when you focus on the good, the good gets better, right. you know? Um and there is I just finished a book based off the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe called Positivity Bias. Um, which really talks about like focusing on the good because it's our human nature to like emphasize the bad and what's wrong. Like at the end of the day, you're going to be like, wow, I missed the bus. I stubbed my toe. I did this. I did that. But you're not going to be like, wow, it was such lovely weather. I got to have a great conversation with my friend. Like you have to train your brain to do that. Right. So do you think that tearing your ACL was Gamzulatova in a sense? Yes. So- I... Are you yes. are you happy that you tore your ACL? I guess that's a hard question because yeah. happy, sad. What does that What does that really mean? I will say I th- tearing my ACL in a weird way was like that pivotal moment for me. Um, obviously, in the moment, I literally thought my life was over. Um, the sport that I was doing competitively for the past ten years of my life came to a pause, and I was like, I literally have nothing left. Like, I skated twelve hours a week. Like on a slow week, you know? Um, and so I think that that kind of being able to look back and see like Gamza Latova, like it's all for the good. I really think that there is no such thing as bad. It's all just unrevealed good. Like it's, it's you, we live like in our life with our blinders on based off of our experiences. So we can't really see the greater world around us. And so if you zoom out, you see that it's all for the good. And like, it did take years for me to realize, okay, me tearing my ACL was for the good. Obviously in the moment, if somebody were to tell me like, no, 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 you'll see that this is good in the long run. I'd be like, no, you're literally crazy. Like how, you know? Right. That makes sense. So an idea that I know is prevalent in Hasidut is this idea. I think Gamzulatova is in a way connected to that is this idea that, God, whatever you want to define God as, I don't. We're not going to go there because <laughs> I think people could talk for hours about that. But whatever you define God as is in every single aspect of your life. The things yeah. that happen, the things around you, the people around you, the nature around you. So, how much has that idea played a role in your religious journey? Um, definitely a lot. Um, my rabbi once told me that Torah isn't chumash. It's not the five books of Moses. It's everything around you because. If God created the world, 
then everything in this world has a spark of holiness and you just need to like tap into it and like there's some things that could seem like mundane like eating you know but it if your intention behind it is to say okay i'm using this food this to fuel myself to then do good in the world then it's not mundane you're doing something holy from it that makes sense is did you find that that mindset was an easy mindset to get into or it took a lot of practice took a lot of practice i'm not even like a quarter of a halfway whatever there like it's just something now that I'm starting to realize and I really love it like when I think about it more it's just so easy to get caught up in that negativity you know and to realize people spend their whole lives right focused on these ideas yeah and I think that like if you look for the goodness in the holiness it will come like you know if you're like someone tells you about a new car and then all you see on the road is that car right it's like that. If you start looking and thinking about good, you're just going to notice an abundance of goodness. Yeah, that makes sense. So a final question I have for you is, let's say someone like myself wanted to dive into the ideas of Hasidut from a very practical standpoint, what would be your recommendation of like the first piece of literature or the first thing that I should study? Or what was the first thing that you studied, I guess, in, in that realm? Um, the first piece of Hasidut I think I started learning like more seriously was Tanya, which is the foundational text of Chabad Hasidus. Um, and Tanya was written by the Alter Rebbe. It's like kind of like any question that you have is answered in this book. It's like about how to be a good person and how to like channel that divine energy and like really the notion of like you have these two souls, like the animal soul um in the godly soul and like that push and pull between us and that um finding that balance in life thank you for that answer and thank you for all of the other answers i really enjoyed having you on this podcast thank you so fun